You're listening to National Health Executive's Finger on the Pulse podcast with me, your host, Matt Roberts, to guide you beyond the headlines with news, views, and insider truths from across the healthcare sector. This episode of NHG's Finger on the Pulse podcast is brought to you by Ethicon, part of the Johnson & Johnson Medical Devices Company. Ethicon has made significant contributions to surgery for more than 100 years with its surgical technologies and solutions, including plus sutures, staplers, energy devices, chokers, and adjunctive hemostats. Welcome back to this episode of NHG's Finger on the Pulse podcast, episode 24 today, and the topic of conversation for us is around how we improve surgery, how we improve the infection prevention elements of that, and particularly sort of looking at things like surgical site infections. I'm very glad to not be alone in that conversation, though, and instead of being joined by Giles von Smith, Consultant General Surgeon at Oxford University Hospital's NHS Foundation Trust. Thank you so much for joining me today, Giles. Thanks, Matthew, for having me. First off, if you wouldn't mind, just explain a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are and sort of the infection prevention side. It seems logical as a surgeon, but I know you are quite keenly involved in it. I trained as a general surgeon. My interest is in HPB surgery, and I was lucky enough to do my training through some fantastic hospitals, some of the top teaching hospitals in London, and then came out to do a fellowship in Oxford, and then was even luckier to be offered a substantive consultant post out here in Oxford. And whilst I was out here, I got my uh, interest in infection reduction strategies. Every operation carries a risk of having an infection of the wound at the end of the operation. Of course it does. But what we've got to try and do is look at what's the impact of having a wound infection or a surgical site infection on the patient, on the doctor and the healthcare professionals, as well as the economic burden within the NHS. In HPB, like many surgeries which deal with cancer, a really nasty, a really deep, organ space, and perhaps we'll come on to what that means in a bit, can actually have a significant impact on survival. Because after these big operations where you're removing a cancer, often you need post-operative chemotherapy to ensure that all those cells are mopped up at the end of the operation and you give the patient the best chance of longevity. If you miss the optimal time to post-operative chemotherapy due to a surgical site infection, you've given that patient a a sub-optimal longevity. And and we should be doing everything possible to look at how we can mitigate uh, surgical site infections for our patients. Of course we should. But you know what? It's not sexy. As typical surgeons, we don't really pay much attention to our wounds, I don't think. But guess what? The patients do. Um, How does a patient judge whether an operation went well or not? They look down at their wound, they see how big it was, and if the wound is less in size than the wound in their mind that they're thinking, oh, he's done well there, right? And if the wound heals beautifully, don't people comment, look at my wound, look how well it healed. By inference, the operation went very well indeed. Whereas if someone's had a complete wound dehiscence due to an infection, well, come on, the operation was a disaster. Now, it may not have been, but that's how the patient perceives it. And we've got to take this more seriously. And, And I think, genuinely speaking, within the NHS, more and more people, not just surgeons, but other allied health professionals, the nursing staff, infection prevention control, are really driving this this sort of change in behaviour forwards. Absolutely. As you say, there's a huge part of it that is perception, that it's all about patient care. And patient care doesn't necessarily just mean very good care. It means the patient knowing they've received very good care. 
It is true. Do you know what? We don't follow our patients up for simple procedures anymore. <laughs> so the junior doctors coming through now, if you ask them, what's your surgical site infection rate? What's your SSI rate for a hernia? They've got no idea because we don't follow those people up. I tell you the people that do know, the nurse practitioners, the GPs, because they're the ones that keep getting hassled by the patients going, is my wound okay? And we've got to take that burden off of the GPs and our colleagues in primary care by making sure that we get it right first time. There's a huge benefit not just to that as well in getting it right first time, but there's also the fact that, especially recently, SSIs and reducing it has been even more important due to the pandemic and greater infection risk. Also the element as well that we have a lot of patients we now need to see that need surgery and suddenly someone ends up with a surgical site infection, well, that's a bed that's being taken up. We are being told by central government there's, what, 7 to 13 million operations waiting to be done? That's huge. If we can limit the number of SSIs that those patients get, if you can come up with some sort of strategy to reduce SSI rates, then you are going to free up beds, you're going to reduce length of stay, and you're going to improve the turnover. A lot of patients, they go home before an SSI is likely to have developed. It's rare that you see a wound become infected within a couple of days, and the majority of patients are going home before they get their wound infection. That's, that's a double whammy, because what happens is that patient develops a wound infection out in the community. They take up time from the GPs, the nursing staff, to dress the wound, but then they get readmitted, and it's the readmission that adds a real cost into the wrong place, because now you're stressing a frontline service, the emergency care service, which is already under, under stress. And actually what you want to do is avoid that in the first place. So it is, if we want to be serious about trying to uh, clear the backlog of operations that the, uh, that the pandemic's created, without having to throw an absolute fortune in cash at it, one of the things that we can do is develop strong SSI uh, reduction strategies and reduce the number of SSI rates. And we've, we've shown here in Oxford it can be done for really not very much money at all. If, if any, say, sometimes it's having that step back, identifying the problem and actually looking at what the solutions are because they can be very simple solutions almost. I know one of the, when we're setting this up, conversations was around um, sutures particularly in that instance, Ethicons plus sutures, but it's a very simple logic. Every surgeon knows a suture. They use them, <laughs> I imagine, to a huge endless degree, but something so simple can have such a big problem. In SSI reduction strategies, there is no one miracle cure. There is no one thing that is suddenly going to stop you from getting an SSI. It is multifactorial and in that actually becomes quite complex. So what we have to do in the NHS is make this incredibly simple. We do loads of things already. We just need to make sure that we do it every single time. We're great at doing uh, the World Health Organization checklist before every operation. We can do that. And guess what? On that WHO checklist, there are a few things that are related to SSI reduction strategies, right? Yeah. So the first thing is, have we clipped the patient? Have we removed hair if we need to? Now, we shouldn't have to remove hair, but if we do, we clip the patient, we don't shave them. Have the correct antibiotics been given at the correct time. The antibiotics that I give in my hospital are going to be different 
to the antibiotics that you probably give in your hospital, yeah. which are yeah. different to the to the antibiotics given in America, Europe, Asia, Australasia. It doesn't matter. It's the right antibiotics for your your hospital for your procedure at the right time within sort of one to two hours of knife to skin. And then the other thing is making sure that the patient's warm. Right, so we all talk about normothermia, 36 degrees or above. That's three things. They're on the World Health Organization checklist. Right, we're already doing it. Three things. And they form the first three parts of an of a SSI bundle, an evidence-based bundle. But here's the thing that you make it really easy. Everybody goes, oh, my God, it's another checklist. Can we just forget about checklists? We're overwhelmed with paperwork and stuff. I buy that, right? You give each job to one person and then it becomes even simple my job as the junior surgeon is i know i've got to clip the patient not shave them if it's appropriate the antibiotics make sure the anesthetist that's their job they give the antibiotics job done right and you bring all of these things together in a marginal gain theorem i don't know if you're aware of that but that's basically the idea that the sum of the individual parts is greater than the sum of all the parts individually, if that makes sense. Yeah, so the yeah, bringing yeah. together of all those small changes has a much bigger overall outcome. And that's exactly where the NICE MTG group, Medical Technologies Group, came together. And they instructed the um, an external assessment committee to look at all of the evidence, I think it was 31 studies submitted by Johnson Johnson for these triclosan coated sutures. And it's about 14,000 patients that were, were assessed by this group. And what they found was that actually those sutures had up to 30% reductions in SSI rates on their own. But the power does not come by just having those sutures and using those and thinking, yeah, this 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 is gonna this is gonna save me. This is gonna stop my patient. It doesn't work like that. What you still have to have is make sure the patient's warm. Make sure the patient was clipped, not shaved. Make sure the patient you know, had the right antibiotics. Then when you add in your plus sutures, that's when you start seeing the 50%, 60% reduction rates in SSI. And look at what we've added there. Nothing. That's cost us nothing. The plus sutures will pay for themselves if you're worried about the cost of the extra cost of, of a plus suture. Well, actually, Nice looked and said that it's about £13.60 or something like that, saving in using these sutures as part of a bundle. Yeah. Can I buy that? It's evidence based. Put it in a bundle and make it work. It's and a no brainer for us, really. That's what we've talked on as well, is it's how you frame and almost from the clinical side now perspective of it, that even if you do see that, yeah, well, this is an additional cost at the time, well, by raising that SSI reduction and stopping all of the follow-on treatment that's necessary, you've made a massive saving regardless. Exactly. So look, I've got a great friend and colleague, and he's actually the guy that really got me into surgical site infection reduction strategies. His name's Professor Leeper. People should Google him. He's got um, a YouTube uh, channel going. He is super, super um, important in this space. He's published a paper looking at colorectal surgery in the United States using the insurance company's database. And the beauty about the insurance company database is you can bet your bottom dollar that they've costed everything within an inch of their life. They go down to the last swab, how much petrol is used in transporting the nurse out to see a patient. And they've come out with a figure for a deep 
or organ space, open colorectal procedure. If you, if you get one of those types of SSI, you carry a $110,000 excess. Are you kidding me? Right. And we're talking about a cost of what an extra 50p or a pound or whatever it is for the for these sutures. But then just look at the bundle. You have to give antibiotics anyway. You have to make sure the patient's warm. So your hospital's doing that anyway. Those aren't new costs. You know, it's just making sure that we do it the right time. Well, you save one. That's one hundred and ten thousand dollars that you've saved. But the patient will thank you more than that. And you'll be able to utilize that bed space quicker and get more patients through bits of that as well is that when we're thinking about this idea of well it's all the little parts coming together that's nothing new in the nhs we do that at a staff and specialist level we call it a multidisciplinary team it's thinking of the surgery as a team like that the nhs has some fantastic initiatives within it and one of them is is teamwork and i, and I really really believe Within the NHS, we are good at coming together as a team and solving complex problems in a simple manner. And SSI reduction strategies are exactly that. It is a fantastically complex problem when you look at it at really detailed level. But the solution is one part, one person. And just let them get on with it. And you will see that um, for me in Oxford, I've got a 10-point bundle. I've reduced it to eight. Right, we're even looking to cut it back a bit further. I'm talking eight points per operation. Come on, anybody can do that. And look, you cannot get anything changed in the NHS, quite rightly, without a good analysis of the data. And you've got to understand what the financial implications of that change will be. And that's why a few years ago, when we sat down and looked at our original bundle, the first thing we said was, this can't cost the trust anything. This can't add a single penny to this trust. So our 10 points didn't include the plus sutures, actually. They were just our straightforward standard sutures with bringing everything together, as I said, like clipping, normothermia, ensuring glycemic control is okay. Actually, when we demonstrated that we reduced our SSI rate significantly, and by significantly, in HPB, we reduced our rate by about 60%. Then when we went to procurement and to the finance guys and said, look, we've done this much, now let's have a look at these plus sutures because we think they're gonna give us another 30% extra. NICE have told us so. In fact, not even NICE have told us so. NICE went to this external assessment committee and they told NICE that the evidence demonstrates that. It's an easy sell, isn't it? Benefits the patient, benefits the trust, and also reduces significantly the overall financial burden on the NHS. As I say, it's all through simple things. These aren't complicated. They just needed the conversation to happen. I would love to say I've created something cutting edge, Nobel Prize winning. Of course I haven't. What I've taken is good practice, evidence-based practice, and brought it together. It takes the burden off of everybody, and it ensures that when I'm not around being passionate about it, and I leave my junior team, guess what? I know it's happening every time, because each of them have only got one job to remember. Honestly, that's a lot of the success we've had up to now. Um, you are very enthusiastic about SSI prevention reduction. And that means that that is a constant battle. It's always going to be next steps and things we can continue to improve. Looking forward a little bit into the, the future, what are the big real areas, either innovation or real areas you want to continue to drive forward? First thing is just ensuring robust 
reduction strategies for whatever surgery you, you're doing are implemented. That's the first thing. The second thing is you should be looking for innovative technique and sort of new technologies like these triclosan coated sutures. Just for those people who never heard of these, these are absorbable sutures that are coated with triclosan, antibacterial, and they create this zone of inhibition around the suture that stops bacteria creating a biofilm which is the protective mechanism that bacteria allow themselves to escape our innate host defenses and create a surgical site infection. So if we can break biofilm down, if we can stop that forming in the first place, you can't really get a surgical site infection. That's where the just a brilliant idea to add effectively a very safe antibiotic into antibacterial onto a suture, just amazing. So I'd say that we've got to look at that. But, but Max, can I tell you the big bugbearer for SSIs? It's about surveillance, my friend. Oh, my word. Nobody has cracked surveillance of SSIs. You've got to follow up SSIs, depending on your operation, depending on whether you've put an implant in, for 30, 90, or one year. How do you do that in the NHS with today's cost constraints, et cetera, et cetera? Look, when I was growing up, really easy. Everyone just came back to clinic. And they came back to clinic at six weeks, had a look at the wound, go, any problems? No, great. Any problem? Yeah, the GP had to put me on antibiotics, except, oh, okay, and you make a little note. You don't do that anymore. So how do we get around it? Well, apps, that's what we've got to do. The government, the NHS, public health, everybody's talking about putting patient care back in the hands of the patient. What better way to do it than developing a smart app for the smartphones where when you've had your operation the app on your phone automatically just asks you a simple question do you have a problem with your wound and if the answer's no that's it for the day and then the following day any problem with your wound and hopefully for 30 90 one year there's never a problem but for the few people that answer yes it then asks you a few more questions about that wound. Because let's face it, if you put clips in a wound, sometimes the clips can develop redness around the, the entry points of where the clip's gone into the skin. I've definitely seen healthcare professionals prescribe antibiotics for a normal healing process, but because they just haven't seen clips healing properly, they think that those clips are infected. Well, that's just wrong. So these questions really sort of dig down a bit. And at the end of the day, you can take a picture of your wound that then gets uploaded into the electronic patient record. And someone like myself as the lead consultant for that patient or part of the infection prevention control can take a quick look at that wound. Do you know what? Straight back to the patient. This is normal. Don't worry. Or actually, this does look abnormal. Please come and see us. And we can get to see them rapidly and really keep a good up-to-date accurate record of our SSI rates. You are absolutely right. And it is also that whole idea that we're seeing of putting power back into the patients. I mean, in terms of talking about all this, it's so lovely to hear your enthusiasm about it, Giles. And genuinely, I could talk on and on and on, but we do have an attention span of our audience. I'm always aware of that. So I really do appreciate your, your time today. It's been an absolute delight talking to you. If anyone that's listening wants to find out more about the work you're doing at Oxford, how best do they reach you? The best thing to do, honestly, and I'm going to give out my email address, which is my work email address, giles.bond-smith at ouh.nhs.uk. You know what? If anybody wants to get in touch, I've got presentations that I can send. So everything that I've talked about here today in a bit more detail, I can send you stuff of our experience in Oxford. 
and you know and i travel and and i'll come and i'll come to your hospital and and i will meet with people i'll get them excited about something that is really to the majority of people not that exciting but i think i think it can be and the and the other thing is look matt we've done this on uh, online we can easily do stuff online as well this episode of energy's finger on the pulse podcast is brought to you by ethicon part of the johnson and johnson medical devices company Ethicon has made significant contributions to surgery for more than 100 years with its surgical technologies and solutions, including plus sutures, staplers, energy devices, chokers, and adjunctive hemostats. Thanks for listening to this episode of NHE's Finger on the Post podcast. Join the conversation on social media or get in touch through the link on our website. To stay up to date with all the latest news and episodes, make sure to subscribe, drop us a rating on whatever streaming service you're using. This has been National Health Executive's Finger on the Post podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.